Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to On the Bench. I am your host, Brendan Sinone, and I'm trying to pull Josh Newberg away from the Weeble right now because he is uh, entrenched in stock information. While Let Christine, us trade. Let us trade. <laughs> your thing can't be that you're the stock app that never crashes and then you crash. Anyways, we're, we're not here for, for that today. Christopher's just shaking his head and smiling. What's so funny, Chris? Nothing. I love your guys' banter about the stock market. Thank As you. I'm diversified and calm over here. <laughs> Speaking of calm, you know who's totally calm is the FSU fan base. They're not mad at all about the schedule that just came out. That's right. FSU's 2021 schedule is out. We know we knew the opponents, but now we know the dates, how it all falls out. As usual, Twitter, very. Uh, you guys will be surprised by this. It's polarizing. Some are very upset about the schedule fallout. Some are <laughs> calm with it. That's where we're going to start off with this on the bench podcast, but we have a lot to get to today. Hoops, recruiting tidbits, possible commitments on the way, but let's start off with schedule talk. That is the news of the day. Chris, where do you fall on the, it's a tough schedule. It's an easy schedule side of the side of the aisle. You are going to have to play to 12 of them. No matter what is where I fall on it. Uh, The way it sets up. Yeah. The back half is more difficult than the front half, no doubt, but you're going to have to face the 12 anyways. Each Saturday is its own given thing. I know momentum is something you hope you can generate. You can get rolling. Truthfully, I think the schedule may set up best for generating some front end momentum that maybe plays into the back end being difficult. Front end momentum is uh, was my nickname back in college. So and I'll lay the schedule out for those for those who are only listening and haven't been able to take their fingertips and look at the internet today. FSU opens on a Sunday, September fifth, hosting Notre Dame. No longer in the ACC Notre Dame. They were just a one year rental. They used us. September 11th, we host Jacksonville State. Then they travel to Wake Forest on September 18th. They return home to host Louisville on the 25th, and they follow that up with another home game hosting Syracuse. That's family weekend, October 2nd. Bring the wife, bring the kids, bring Nana. October 9th, they head to North. Wait, not Nana? I thought Nana. Nana. People use both. My boys call their grandmother Nana, but plenty of people call them Nana or even Nona, I've heard, too. Josh, what do you call your grandma, grandmothers? I just called my grandmother grandma. Grandma. Yeah, so did I. I called my grandfather Pa, and I called both my grandmother's grandmother. Okay. Grandma. You were yeah. like, you were grandmother? You say, grandmother, grandmother. It's so uh, grandma. And then, okay. and then I take it back. Then I did, when I was really young, I had a great-grandmother that we called Graham. Just Graham. So my boys call my parents Nana and Papa, and my wife's parents Grandma and Grandpa. So, go <laughs> for it. But Glad it's funny. Can. Like, I never partook and all the, we have different names for extended family thing. And then as I deal with people who have kids and they have families like Wayne, for example, Wayne McGahey, it's wild. Some of the names, I mean, there's just so many nicknames that people use. I'd never, I never knew that when I was a kid, I never did that as a kid. All right. Back on topic. Sorry about that. Just real quick. It's shocking that, that Chris didn't deviate from just saying grandma and, and grandpa and that he wouldn't do anything outside the box, just straightforward and very cut and dry. Makes sense. Mine was Mima. 
Mimo is my grandma. and low risk. It's how I live my life. <laughs> All right. So that's the first half of the schedule. That's the winnable part of the schedule, right? I think that's when, Chris, you talked about the momentum that was it a five game stretch there early yeah. on presents a chance for like legitimately four wins are on the table. Now, nothing's guaranteed after last season, but uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on, on the chance for like legitimate momentum? Is that something that exists in your mind? With this schedule, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm having a hard time finding the serious gripe with this schedule. Um, you open with Notre Dame, but you kind of knew that was going to happen anyway. And the rest of the schedule, you know, you got some buys. You got UMass right before Clemson, and then you got NC State after. It's not like it's sandwiched with two big-time um, games. You have Miami on the 13th with Boston College and then Florida. So I think with everything – you know, um, taken into account, I don't think this is a very harsh schedule for Florida State. I think this is kind of gentle, to be honest with you. Notre Dame, new quarterback. That will be an interesting one, obviously. They also have a lot of other guys moving on to the next level. Mm-hmm. Very talented roster, certainly got a bunch returning. I think they'll obviously be favored in that game, but it's going to be a very different-looking Notre Dame team. And first, games can be weird for teams because, while well, you're just not used to playing with one another. Who knows how it's going to work out? And that works both ways. Jacksonville State's obviously what it is. It's a bye game. You should win it. At Wake, who knows? We didn't see FSU Wake last year. That never came about because of COVID. Louisville's a program feels like it's trending in the wrong direction right now. We'll see if they can reverse course with that and figure it out. Syracuse, you know, at that point, they're a month into the season. If Dino's not winning, Dino's going to be firmly on the hot seat and, you know, on the verge of getting fired. Syracuse is probably a program in the league who needs to start the best of anybody simply because their head coach won't survive if they don't. Um, to continue to schedule, after that, they roll into North Carolina on October 9th, the week after Syracuse. FSU obviously beat UNC at home last year. Big win for Mike Norvell year one. UNC, decent amount of changes, losing several of those good receivers, but they have pretty good talent behind them. Sam Howell is going to be a Heisman contender in the sense of being pushed in the preseason as one. That defense should be better as it's continually improving. They're bringing more talent in on the defensive side of the ball. FSU. Have you been to Chapel? Have you been to Chapel Hill before, Chris? That's my. That's yes. I've been for hoops. I've been for football. I love Chapel Hill. It's awesome. awesome. Keenan Stadium's really cool. It's basically kind of in the woods on the campus. The campus itself is pretty nice. No, I really enjoy UNC. I went up there. I think Leon Washington dislocated his elbow in a game I went to up there. I've been up there a couple times, but that's one of the ones I remember. That was actually, I think that's also the Greg Jones bobblehead game when he, uh, <laughs> when, annihilated, he killed, when he killed someone. Uh, was it Dexter Reed? Dexter was Reed. That yeah. safety's name? Yeah. And threw him on Chris Davis's back when he hit him. Yeah. That was a fun game. Now, hopefully, um, hopefully we're able to travel and things are normal. That That's one of my two ACC schools I haven't been to yet to cover a game at that in Virginia Tech. And I think that's it. So checking off checking off the bucket list for ACC games. After UNC is a bye. That's October 16th. So it's, it's firmly in the middle of the schedule. Six games down, six games to go. Then FSU comes out of that and essentially has a pseudo bye when they host UMass for homecoming. Walt Bell comes to town. I'm sure everybody will greet him very politely and caringly for all the great things he brought to this program. Then FSU goes to Clemson on October 30th, and we know that Dabo Swinney is not going to be petty at all that day, I'm sure. November 6th, FSU, NC Dr. State. Dr. Dabo. November 13th, Miami comes to town. Extremely late in the schedule for FSU Miami. Um, I'll look up the stat on exactly how late that is, but it's been a long time since they played that late in the season. 
Then FSU at BC on November 20th, snow game. Mm-hmm. And then at Florida on November 27th, FSU doesn't host Florida last year. They don't reset that in any form or fashion. They just go sticking with the schedule. There it is. And then the ACC championship, again, Atlantic versus Coastal, going back to the old format that they had prior to this past year, December 4th in Charlotte, North Carolina, at a Bank of America Stadium. So you did a great job there just breaking it all down. Brandon, what have you seen? Because I haven't really been on the Knowles 24-7 message boards this morning, but what is the biggest gripe with the uh, with the schedule? Well, for one, my computer's not allowing me to go to Knowles 24-7, okay, have- so I can't check out the message board. I can't trade and you can't post. <laughs> Most of the discussion is the back half being tough. Yeah. Essentially, why is it sort of stacked? And then the other thing that people have an issue with, and this should have been clarified yesterday because – UF put out their schedule was that FSU is at UF that we that's off track in the sense of here there here there with last year not happening but UF schedule the SEC schedule dropped yesterday at 2 p.m. so that was unknown yesterday and there wasn't really any banter beforehand that it was going to change right despite neither school clarifying that it was definitely going to stick with the yearly format not the we're resetting this because of the pandemic year on that UM game being November 13th uh, latest for that game since 2014 and only the fourth November matchup since 92. So mm-hmm. almost in 30 years. So the back half of the schedule is obviously tough. You're talking about three teams. Well, let's see. Four, I mean, actually every single one of those teams won at least six games last year. And I think four of them won eight games last year. So they're all quality opponents in the, in the back stretch of the schedule aside from UMass. But you you had to play those games anyways. I would much rather have the opportunity to establish momentum early in the year to develop confidence. And I think that's the upside. That's kind of why I like the way this schedule falls for FSU because you have the chance to do something that you haven't really done in, in about five seasons, which is win games, accumulate wins early, and maybe build some much-needed confidence. So I'm, I'm fine with it. There's nothing on the schedule that seemed absurd to me. Do we want to do uh, arbitrary win-loss predictions? Right now, here in here in January, Don't, and then, we have all off season. But we, yeah, hell yeah, Why we'll do it like three more times. Give Josh a minute to put it in the calculator and formulate. I can share a little banter on the general ACC schedule. There you go. All right. Uh, the, the opening weekend is technically November. Or, I'm sorry, September fourth. But I believe there are games the second, third, fourth, fifth, and then obviously the fifth is FSU. That's the last one. So on that weekend, Louisville Old Miss meet uh, NC State USF, which doesn't really move the needle. FSU Notre Dame is a big one. Clemson, Georgia is one that a lot of people will circle on the calendar. Uh, UNC and VTech kick off ACC play with one another that weekend. Uh, Trying to think. Miami also gets the uh, joy of playing Alabama. So enjoy that, Canes. Miami's schedule actually opens very interesting. They play, again, all four non-conference games on the front end of their schedule. Bama, App State, Michigan State are their first three games, the 4th, 11th, the 18th those three weekends and then i think central connecticut is their fourth which is obviously by game go get a win my dad so, went to central connecticut how's that yeah. and steve adazio and then they get virginia to open the acc miami does um you know the league schedule is pretty good again we're back to the normal acc sec matchups you expect like louisville kentucky on that last weekend nc state unc is that last weekend for an acc matchup of note that weekend clemson south carolina fsu florida or that week in Georgia Tech. Georgia is another one, and uh, VTech, Virginia. So back to norm, more normal, and you know, 
the divisional games are back to normal. You know, hopefully the one word we don't hear a lot this season is postponement. Fingers crossed, and hopefully we can actually travel. Chris, we may be actually going to, like, drive in cars together again, have road trips. You looking forward to that? I'm just glad to get out of the house. Me too. Um, all right, records. Arbitrary win-loss records here in January. Not like the roster can change or anything like that between now and now and September. I'm going to go, fellas, with a optimistic 6-6. Six and six. I think that's the goal this year. You get to 500, you show growth, you get three-plus wins from the year before. Uh, there's three very winnable games at home for FSU, UMass, Syracuse, Jacksonville State. You just got to find three more in there, and uh, and you can sell momentum and direction and, and positive growth on the recruiting trail. 6-6. Six and six. I feel like 6-6 six and six is the safe. Um I think seven and five is attainable, especially if they start four and one, which is basically lose to Notre Dame and then win Jacksonville State, Wake, Louisville, Syracuse. You know, I think they beat someone like a BC, obviously UMass, or that gets you to six pretty quick. Stealing one more of a, you know, UNC or a Miami, Miami or NC State. Yeah, there's one you can steal there. So I think I think I'll go with six and six. I think they can slightly exceed that. I don't expect them to fall far short of that. I think it's about showing more competitiveness in losses this year more than anything for this program that day, you know, outside of maybe that Clemson game, maybe Florida, seeing what they are at the end of the year, they need to compete with everybody they take the field with. I'm going, I'm going with seven wins. Um, I think this is a, I'm feeling a little optimistic this morning. Mm. I'm going with seven wins, but I don't feel like six wins. I mean, I know Brendan said you can sell momentum. I mean, you can try to sell momentum and 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 um, hope and all that. But with where Florida State's been for the last several years, I mean, six wins is a step in the right direction. Don't get me wrong. But six wins is not going to put FSU where it needs to be recruiting-wise. Um, what will? Would eight? I don't know that eight would. I think, I think eight, eight shows you're going the right direction. I, I don't know I, that it really makes you more appealing. I think eight, you can real. actually sell it. Like Brendan's saying, you know, you go out and you sell this, but are the kids going to buy it? I mean, six wins, you're still recruiting out-of-state four stars, in-state three stars. You're still kind of at the same level. Eight wins, you are able to knock on some of the big-time doors within the state of Florida and get some of the attention of local prospects, not just kids in Mississippi and Louisiana and, and you know, on the outskirts. I think eight wins does put you back in kind of in the position FSU wants to be. I think, well, yeah, eight wins would be huge and would start opening up those, those doors to the four high end, four star and five star guys. Right. But, but I don't think that's realistic in the sense of like, you can make this, this gigantic jump both from a win loss perspective and a recruiting trail perspective in one year. I think what you look to do and accomplish this year realistically is with around six wins. And we're going to get into this with the recruiting class but they could very well have a top 10 class for 2022 by the end of this weekend, uh, early, very early on. But those kids are committing to this staff with, I think like six wins would be like, okay, we're, we're buying in. We're, we're part of changing something. And so if you double your win total I mean, from the year, because they have a lot of commitments, number one, well, they'll have like five or six. That's not crazy. And but I think every kid they have committed and the ones we expect to join in, I think that's a quality class. I mean, I, I yeah. love the Kelly kid. I think he's a massive trender upper type, a kid that's gotten better every time he's taken the field. We all know Travis Hunter's a freaking stud, potentially a top player in the country type of guy. 
I don't think anybody in that class is someone that causes me pause and thinking this kid's not going to help this be a better team. And with that in mind, like those are all guys that are buying in to understand this is a process, right? And I think if you mm-hmm. get to six wins, all those kids remain interested. Like six six wins isn't going to scare those guys away. You you may still have a you have you're gonna have a dog fight to keep Travis under probably, even though he keeps showing really positive signs about being committed to Florida State. Uh, but I think you're just. I think if you can get around 500 and show that you're moving in the right direction, it puts you in position to do big things in a couple of years from now on the recruiting trail. I think that's the name of the game. I, I would prefer to be optimistic in late January, early February. I find it difficult to be so. I want to try to be more even balanced. FSU can't come out of the gate and have Notre Dame run for three bills down their throat and throw for whatever they want against them. They just can't afford to do that. They Defensively, they have to show progress. They have to be better offensively it's going to be a bit of a feeling out period I believe because there's a lot of new pieces I mean we could talk about wide receivers right now and it's like you know who the hell do we expect to actually catch the ball and do something you're obviously breaking in a new quarterback who a lot of people think is a very talented kid and a guy that's going to raise the ceiling at that position in Mackenzie Milton and the O-line we think will take a step forward but it's not like we're dealing with an O-line that's going to just go dominate opponents at this point so I, I find it difficult to just project that I expect them to be drastically better but I think the key for FSU is go out there be competitive with Notre Dame make it a game then win the games you definitely should win because on paper you should win them especially a type like Jacksonville State obviously you need to easily win that game build off of that game and use as a preseason type game that prepares you for future opponents and build momentum by showing you're a better team better program and get better week to week they can't afford the Notre Dame's Miami's of last year where it was just you know take it and you, you can't do that like that you can win four or five games and then if you have a game like that it's going to be a tough sell because really how far have you come will be the question Before we move on to our next topic, I do real quick want to throw out a tidbit that we got from Brandon Moore, Bam Moore, the UCF cornerback transfer the other day when he was talking to us. He said, fellas, quote unquote, 100%. His knee is 100% right now. Uh, Good to hear. Yeah, I mean, I'm not big in the percentage game, so we like to use that in the headline because it's fun. Uh, I don't know the difference between 95% and 99% or 100% is other than, you know, four or 5% points. But mm-hmm. him, him saying that he feels good and that he could have played last year late in the season, I think that's the takeaway. People were worried about the knee when FSU took him. Him telling you, I'm here and good to go for the spring, that's substantial news because he's going to push to start. Yeah, he's been adamant he could have played last year and that he made this decision not to do so. I, uh, Yeah, so basically uh, – I think it's coming out now that Josh Heupel has left for Tennessee. A lot of guys on that UCF roster that were under the Scott Frost class, even though they won a bunch of games with Josh Heupel uh, after Scott Frost left, didn't really love him as a coach. So, great! It was a great day for UCF. It was a great day for UCF. This isn't the UCF podcast. This isn't the stock podcast. This is FSU podcast. Let's who move would you on. hire? Who I hire, I would take He's not asking what did the you. UCF get an eight million dollar buyout. <laughs> what? Wait, what? Try, what made you think that he would ask you who you would hire as the UCF coach and not me? The UCF because honk. you're you don't want to talk about it, and I do. Okay, I, I wish would, we had video of Snow's face when you're answering that. He's like, What? Why is this guy talking? <laughs> what was it? Was it an eight million dollar buyout? I think combined between Hypel and uh, the AD. Danny White, yes, about that range. I would get that in 20s, put it in bags, 
and drop Mc- it on Tony Elliott's desk. McDonald's bags. Until he told me no. Yeah, Tony, Tony Elliott's I mean. my man. That's who I want. The, the war on I-4 between Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott. But Dabo has had a way of making – of getting his players to turn down millions and millions of dollars to stay another year. So would, he, would Tony Elliott do the same? I was going to – yeah. I'm not going to go down the road that – And then you end up with Randy Shannon. Randy Shannon for a year while Scott Frost fails out at Nebraska and then you get the Stop game back it. together. Yeah, yeah, that always works. The the Yeah, we'll take him for a year as our head coach. That always pans out. <laughs> All right, let's talk about – you know what? Let's talk about FSU hoops. I want to give Chris this platform here because those guys just keep rolling out double-digit wins. Uh, they are gelling. They are climbing, apexing at the right time. Another day, another win. This time, Chris, over the U. Yeah, FSU won 81-59 over Miami last night. That was a very short-handed Miami team. They had three guys go 35 or more minutes in that one. Uh, well-rounded effort. Two guys with double-doubles. First time FSU has had that since December of 2015. Malik Osborne, who's played really good ball here during this five-game winning stretch. He had 11 points, also 10 boards. Turk, Raekwon Gray had 10 points, 11 boards. Also saw MJ Walker and Sardar, God, I'm struggling this morning, Sardar Calhoun. There we go, Dar. He uh, also had 11 points. So three guys with 11 points. I think it was seven with eight or more points in that game. Calhoun should have had 13, but he had a dunk he missed and got a good laugh out of it. He even got a little bit of a head shake and a chuckle out of Leonard Hamilton. Um, yeah, Coach Ham didn't, didn't really like it too much. Though. Yeah, but Ham showing a little emotional. He's humorous because, you know, he's usually pretty stoic over there. Um, not a whole lot to take away from the Miami game. FSU did what they should have did against Miami, which is jump on them early. They were up 33-11, to 11, got up by as many as 24 in the first half and in the second half, and they kind of put them away. Miami's just a beat-up team. I don't feel like Miami's been healthy in two years, and they're not super competitive. But last year, Miami-FSU games were both fairly competitive games. Final score may not say that for both, but they were over the course of the game. Last night wasn't competitive. FSU dominated that game. The only reason that game was any closer was Miami had a bit of a run to close the first half to make it reasonable, and FSU then separated again in the second half. Four of the last five games, FSU has led by 24 or more points in those games. The only game where they led by less than that was 11 points with UNC. UNC has won six of their last seven with the lone loss being FSU. Uh, other basketball news, FSU Pitt rescheduled for, I believe it's fe- February 6th. That's one of the games that got knocked out when FSU had their COVID pause. FSU goes to Georgia Tech on Saturday for a 4 p.m. tip on the ACC network. FSU beat Georgia Tech in the ACC opener for the two clubs back in December. Uh, key in that game, Jose Alvarado, pretty talented guard for Georgia Tech. If FSU does an effective job on him, they should do an effective job in that game and have a good chance of winning it. But Tech can pester teams. They gave Duke all they could handle the other night. Duke did end up winning that game, but it came down to the last two minutes or so. So Georgia Tech's not one that you just you know dismiss. It's a normal ACC opponent that is capable enough of playing you if you don't play well. But right now, FSU basketball is just hitting on all cylinders. They're dominating on the boards. They've really done an excellent job of that since the UNC game, which was a big point of the UNC game was you got to win on the glass against a team that rebounds so well. And for whatever reason, it's had a carryover effect for them. They didn't shoot it great last night comparatively to recent games where they still shot over 50% from the floor. Struggled a bit from the perimeter last night, but in general, they're shooting it pretty good from the perimeter as a team. They've been very good at the free throw line during this winning streak. I expect that to continue. 
Defense was one of those big question marks, especially after those bad games with UCF, the first Clemson meeting and the Gardner-Webb game. It's coming around. It's getting much better. They did a good job last night of pestering the ball and using their lane to bug an undersized Miami team. You know, they're, they're just – they're playing good basketball. They're a team that clearly is on the same page. Some guys have clearly made the decision to exert themselves a little bit more. And then a guy like Malik Osborne coming on is huge because he's such an energy guy. He He's an exemplary teammate. He's an excellent dude in the sense of I think guys feed off him real well, but he also brings it when he's on the court. So it's going to be fun. Saturday should be interesting. The big date on the calendar is mid-February with Virginia. That's essentially the battle of the top two teams in the league. Uh, you know, after that, like third to ninth in this league is sort of up for grabs for whoever wants it. Louisville can't figure themselves out. Lost at Clemson last night. Clemson is capable of beating anybody. I think they have more quadrant one wins than anybody else in the ACC. But they also lost several games in a row when they came back from the COVID pause and didn't look particularly good in those losses. So they're kind of tough to figure out. Virginia Tech's shown flashes, but one of their best players is currently indefinitely suspended. So a lot of stuff to figure out with that group. It's going to be interesting to watch as February plays out, how that group kind of figures itself out and to still a Mark Packer term goes from being a glob into a couple contenders. If I stop my dry month on a Friday, January 29th, does that still make it a dry month? Does 29 days count? Sometimes in February, sure. All right, cool. We'll just pretend it was February and we'll call it a, a full dry month in a day. Good for me. Hey, Josh. Hey, Josh. Uh, do you want to throw a little uh, a little update to our listeners? Let them know of a potential deal if they've been thinking about subscribing to those 24-7 what oh. we got going on? Yes. Um, we had a really successful push around the early signing period. So I reached out back to our bosses up at, at 24-7 Sports and I asked if we could do a special promo because signing day is coming up. So um, after a little back and forth, we got them to agree to a 60% off annual subscription deal. Um, that means that basically you'll sign up for Knowles 24-7 for $3.58 a month. To me, it's crazy. If you're sitting here listening to On the Bench and you wait for On the Bench to come out whenever it drops and you're not a member of Knowles 24-7, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. So this is for you. I'm speaking to you right now. 60% off deal. I think it runs uh, a couple more days. We'll let you know. Go to the website, top of the page in the right-hand corner. It says log in or sign up. Go to sign up. You'll get the 60% off deal. If you have any issues whatsoever, you can DM me on Twitter or uh, private message me on the website. I thought Josh was going to say you can message Brendan to, to put it all on me. I thought I legitimately thought it's where you're going. Nobody has any issues. That's why I say it. All right. Let's see. Oh, uh, speaking of, spe I'm looking over the docket here. There's so much to go over today. This is a big old podcast. All right. Speaking of National Signing Day, Chris, I want to throw a couple of names your way. Give us some updates. I know information is tough to get to with one of these guys these days, but uh, Dustin Hill, formerly known as Dustin Paison, and Tywin Malone, those are the two big names that FSU is looking at and still in the mix for with signing day coming up in a week. Uh, where do things stand right now for the Knowles and those two blue chip recruits? Dustin is, if nothing else, consistent. The man doesn't talk. God bless his soul. He uh, he talked to know, me one day. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that. I hurt my feelings. I knew, um, dude. He's not really said much of anything. And in checking on it, FSU still feels very good about where they stand. 
That's been a consistent message for some time. There was even a belief he might sign early at one point there in December. That didn't happen, but it, you know, there's nothing make me believe it's not FSU. And truthfully, I've not heard chatter of other schools. Um, you know, during the process, we've heard Alabama LSU mentioned, but there are some bigger fish for them to fry. I know Brian Thomas Jr., I think, is one guy that they're both chasing, and there's some others for each of those programs. Florida was thrown around some back in November for Destin. Have not heard that continuing into January. So I don't even know who like Elsa check on with him. That, that's sort of how that has gone. He is someone that I intend to start contacting a bit more here as we're leading up to the date, try to get a feel for, and obviously try to get up with him about the ultimate decision. Other guys, Tywon Malone, four-star defensive tackle from New Jersey. That's really boiled down to an FSU, A&M, Texas A&M, and Old Miss race. And I think gut here from talking to people, I think all three schools have a reason to feel some optimism. I truly believe it's probably Old Miss, FSU, A&M, if I had to put them in order. Baseball is the big factor here. That's been something we've said consistently throughout that Malone himself has said. FSU baseball has done an excellent job with him. I think that truthfully has FSU in better contention than anything, and that's not to diminish what Odell Higgins has done because Odell has built a very good bond with the young man and been on him for more than a year. But there's something about Old Miss. I think it's the fact that they have a couple current football guys, Jerry on Ailey, John Rice Plumley, both currently on their baseball squad. Their baseball squad preseason's top five in some polls. I think D1 baseball had them number four, if I recall correctly, or maybe it was baseball. America is one of those two main ones. Um, they they just seem to be, you know, the one that's been kind of consistently at the very top. He had visited Old Miss before the shutdown. He got to all three of the schools that we mentioned here in recent weeks. He's now kind of calming down, talking with the family, trying to figure it out. I've contacted some people about that recruitment, talked to them, and that's why I got the feeling that all three still are contenders. All three still believe they have a legitimate chance. I've talked a little bit with the Malone camp. I don't think a decision's been made. I think he's going to sit down with his parents and do so. It wouldn't shock me if he doesn't make a decision before early next week with the announcement coming potentially on Wednesday. I expect it to come on Wednesday as of right now. I do hope to speak with Taiwan himself in the coming days and get a bit better feel for exactly where his head is. But he, he in talking to him at length about the FSU visit, and then subsequent interviews he did with others within the network that I talked to them about, about the visits to AM and then Old Miss. He was taking everything in. People wanted to be in a rush to say he's going here or there. He was taking things in. He was making judgments. He was comparing the three, no doubt. So I think there's some pros and cons that have to be written out by him, and then he'll go about that and figure it out. If I was putting in a crystal ball right now, I would put it in for Old Miss, but I would have a low confidence on it. Good stuff, Chris. Let's take a quick commercial break. On the other side, we have two pretty big updates for the 2022 class and recruiting that's coming together for FSU right now. So stick with us. We're saving the best for last. We'll be back in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back to On the Bench. We are finishing up here with two pretty big items here for the 2022 recruiting class. Which one should we start with, fellas? We're recording this here on Thursday morning. Let's start with with some information on Aaron Hester. He's had a couple of crystal balls roll in for him recently, some some high-confidence ratings in favor of Florida State. He's a pretty talented edge defender from the Jacksonville area. Chris, I'll throw this to you and let you uh, let's start off the, the Aaron Hester talk. He's listed as a weak side defensive end with us. I definitely think that's where he ends up. He's an edge rusher type. He had around eight to 10 sacks this past year, 6'3", 221. He's a legacy with Florida State. Um, He's gone a bit back and forth on whether or not he's going to do it today. Today is his, I believe, 17th birthday. That's why he was going to probably do it. As of last evening, the plan was to do it. It's been a little wishy-washy since then. We'll see. I'm expecting it this evening if he follows through. Even if he doesn't follow through, I still think in the near future it would still be FSU. I think since he's been offered by FSU, it's been FSU, truthfully. Miami, some others are contenders, but he likes FSU a lot. He's gotten a lot of interest from them. It's a position of need. He's a talented kid. He's currently ranked 397 overall in the composite, 25th week side defensive end in the composite. He's a little bit higher with 247. He's the 18th ranked week side defensive end, still outside the top 247 with us. I think he's a 200-ish player, um, you know, that 200 to 250 range, probably sneaking into the top 247. Talented kid, I'd take him all day. I think him with Kelly is a real good start for defensive end class. And then, you know, the biggest fish is Marvin Jones Jr. at that position. I, Chris, I, I was looking at him a little bit earlier this morning uh, when we were on the phone. I was going to say, like, between an 88 and a 90 is where I would have him. I think that's where we have his composite grade as 24-7 is 88. So, I yeah. think – I think 90 would probably get him in that 200-ish range. So I think we're similar in how we evaluate him. Is he a fox to you? Can we say fox? Um, well, what I mean, a fox say? the fox is a position that sometimes you have to write specific specific features about to explain what they do, which is always fun. Have you ever had to do that, Sanon? Like three times. <laughs> no, I, I think he has a lot of versatility. I think he's a kid who can be an edge setter because I think he's going to continue to fill out on what's already a pretty thick frame. But he's a capable enough pass rusher, too, that the versatility is there for him to be effective, kind of playing downhill, but also a little bit to the flat, but also holding the spot if necessary. Josh, what are your thoughts on the uh, some of the indecisiveness we've gotten from uh, from Aaron so far on, on whether he's committing or not? You've written on the message board, so you could say it on the podcast. Oh, he just froze. I told you his internet connection sucked. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> he, had, he had a smirk though, so I thought he was just like stonewalling you. I, didn't I think, thought he was I too. Think, <laughs> I think any time that you are undecided on whether or not you should make the decision, you probably should just hold off on that decision. I, it's I mean, he's not like undecided if he wants to make the decision. He's been back and forth like four times in the last 48 hours on whether or not he's going to do it. I think he's just trying My to throw Zach and Chris off the chase is what I think, Josh. I don't think, I think he's trying to throw them off the trail. 
I mean, I I think it's been FSU since he got offered. Even if he didn't decide today, if he decides in the near future, I still believe it's FSU. Like, it's one of those things. I don't think he's undecided about the school. I think he's just uncertain that he definitely wants to go ahead with a public commitment, which I don't really know why, but whatever. I like, I'm at the point in doing recruiting two decades in where just let me know when it happens, kid. Like, I'm ready for it. Mm -hmm. We've talked. My ducks are in order. If you're ready to go, I'm ready to go. If not, then take your time and do what you need to do. I'm not going to pester seen, a kid into a commitment. We've seen this happen plenty of times. It's when a kid puts an obligatory date out that isn't a true deadline, and then he applies the pressure to himself to uphold that date that he put out for really no reason. And yeah, you, If you, you know, put a date out, be prepared for the onslaught of individuals such as ourselves and other sites on different networks and such that are going to contact you. It's just what naturally comes with it. It's part of the natural order of things. And it's not enjoyable. It's not fun. I don't particularly enjoy being the guy on the other side of the phone having to do it to you, but we have a job to do and that's what we're here to do. Yeah, but nobody but at the same time, makes you these control kids your get destiny. on Twitter and do it either. It, you control your destiny. If you decide you don't want to do it, don't do it. It's your, huh. it's your choice entirely. Part of committing, there is no protocol that says you have to narrow your list down to a top four and say no interviews. There's no protocol if you want to commit that says you have to announce a decision date. There's no protocol that if you commit, you even have to announce your decision. You can just commit to the staff and have it be silent. There's no, you know, if you don't want to do interviews and you don't want to do any of this stuff, just don't say it out loud. We need to do an investigative piece at 24-7 Sports on the origin of no interviews, please, and respect my decision. Who was the first person to put those out there on Twitter? And what did the they start? The original you decision respecter? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, it started. I think it, it was a Miami decommitment. <laughs> I find saying respect my decision on Twitter to be humorous and it's absolutely nothing on Twitter is ever respected. It's a great place for nuance and engaging back and forth conversation and real legitimate news, Chris. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. So we're recording this podcast, as I said, on Thursday morning. Right now, we are expecting him to commit to Florida State in the evening. As Again, as of right now, uh, this may all be obsolete and totally changed by the time I, I process this and uh, post the, the podcast around noonish or so. But right now, we are anticipating Aaron Hester to commit to Florida State. If that is the case, then FSU will have three really solid defenders in his class. We were talking about this before the show. NFL teams now talk about building the, the defense from the outside in. I know it's kind of opposite of, of how it used to be, but you have two good edge defenders and then Travis Hunter, arguably the best player in the country at cornerback. Uh, that's, that's a really good start for the 2022 class. Aaron's father is Ron Hester. Played at FSU, I think it was late 70s, early 80s, was a draft pick in 82 by the Dolphins. All right. So that's one big 2022 scoopish tidbit for you guys. The other one, let's move to the offensive side of the ball. We talked about him at length earlier this week on the previous podcast. That's quarterback Nico. Is it Markiel or Marshiel? Am I am I I'm making it Markiel? Okay. I believe it's Markiel. That's what I think so too. I heard I was listening to an old cast this morning and Bud pronounced it differently. So I don't know. It was more like Marshall. I should know at this point after hearing his voicemail several times. More exotic. <laughs> I believe he says his last name on there. Dude, I called and it rang twice and then it rolled over. You got sent. <laughs> he slid on you. All right. So, so Nico, we talked about last week, visited both Florida and Florida State. I don't think he visited Georgia Tech. We were trying to figure that out, but whatever. That doesn't really matter. 
uh, because right now he is set a decision date, well, a decision timeline. He said sometime this week, we are expecting him to make an announcement either Saturday or Sunday as of right now. Again, while recording this, that's information we have. Over the weekend, we're expecting a commitment from him. And right now, all, all of our balls, all of our crystal balls dropped on, on Nico Markiel. I believe so. Josh has been for Some a Some did it first. Oh, take your lap. Some did it first. Back in I, June, I believe, I put my crystal ball in for Nico. Well, some some of us prognosticated it with just taking guesses a year out like Josh. Uh, other of us put in our crystal balls with some hard – Hold on. You think that was a guess? Imprint. I mean, they offered all the quarterbacks. Hold on. They offered all the quarterbacks. I spoke to every quarterback that they offered over the phone. I kept in touch with them throughout the spring. I checked with my sources on the FSU side to see who they were confident in. And I put a crystal ball pick in. I mean, I, I hardly think that that's just uh, blindly making a guess there, Brendan. Me and Josh are a perfect balance of one another. Josh plays loose, fast, and free with good info. With good info. And I'm, I'm, not I'm the one who likes good info that's damn near dry concrete. So, like, it balances. And then the guy that's being critical of me is the one that just ho-hums, puts crystal balls in, stresses about them, overstresses about them, <laughs> changes his crystal balls, thinks about it all night, and he's criticizing me on my process of entering a crystal ball pick. I didn't know that Josh was so sensitive about his crystal balls. I was just, I was just breaking your balls a little bit on, I don't on like your balls. Crystal balls broken. They're crystal. Uh, I won't touch your balls anymore. I'll leave hands off. Josh is going for a hundred percent in 2022. No, that I am not going for. <laughs> I already told you that. I, I can't pay attention to it enough. That's what happens to me. Cause I get these coaches that call me and they say it's a layup for this school, like at Indiana or USF or something. I put the crystal ball pick in in July and then come like November and December, the kid gets recruited by like Purdue or Nebraska and he flips. And I just completely forgot that I put a crystal ball in for the kid early. So recruiting such fun game. I, I've probably told this story before about Kadarius Tony, but I may have been out at Madso having beers with a college coach and local high school coach at the time. And that college coach was telling me, oh, man, we love Kadarius Tony, kid over in Mobile. We actually want him as a quarterback at our program. And mm. this is a group of five who's, you know, solid, especially at that point in time. <laughs> While we're sitting there enjoying ourselves, he committed to UF. <laughs> so I literally got to tell the coach that the kid committed to UF. Broke his heart. And then he drank a few more beers. It's like that. Good times. All right, yep. so so with Nico, if he commits to Florida State, and all seriousness, Josh and Wilt Fong put in their crystal balls almost a year ago at this point uh, with educated, informed information. Is that good, Josh? I'm feeling like that was the trend yeah. for Florida State. Okay. And, Don't pronounce it. And, and as we got closer to him announcing his commitment timeline, all of us got mm -hmm. some information that let us, the rest of the Knowles 24-7 <laughs> crew to put in their crystal balls for different reasons, uh, and the, the balls are trading very positively <laughs> towards Nico Markiel right now. Josh is maybe very anxious about talking about you are so balls. funny. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, if he commits to FSU, as all of us believe he will at this moment, want to take a guess, fellas, where FSU's 2022 class will rank here in late January. What are they currently? Do you know? I Knowles 24 seven isn't working for me right now. I thought oh, they were ranked okay, like, fifth, ranked I think they're 15th or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> so asking questions that I can't look up. They they're are currently, currently ranked number 15. I think if they land Nico, uh, do, 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 I know the answer to the, the top question. Nine or 10. 
It's mm-hmm. almost we have like we have a class calculator where we could do. I know the answer to the class calculator. I got someone else to do it for me. I'm asking if you can guess where you think FSU's class will be. So it'll be dramatic when I give you the answer. Josh said nine or ten ish. Chris, what do you think? I'll say six. You gotta use the cows cut. You cheated. The addition of Hester and Markiel will put FSU at 104.2 overall points. Oh, did you just guess that too? Did you not use the class calculator already? 67.1. I use the class calculator because I'm here to inform the people. FSU is at 67.1 currently, which is 50, I'm sorry, 15. The 104 will put them just ahead of OU, who has four commitments, all four stars, at number six. And just behind Notre Dame, who has five commitments, three of which are four stars, two or three stars. Top four ahead of Notre Dame are in order from one to four. Ohio State, who's just kicking ass and taking names, 10 commitments, three five stars, six four stars. Penn State with eight commitments, all of which are four stars. LSU with eight commitments, five of whom are four stars. Georgia with six commitments, one five star, four four stars, and a single three star. I think we should, because we already talked about Nico a lot on the previous podcast. We've provided a lot of information for this pod. What do you fellas say about if he does commit this weekend, we do an emergency pod for the people? Oh, hell yeah. All right. Is it really an emergency pod if we kind of know it's coming? We'll call it an emergency pod. It's a celebration pod. pod. All right. We'll do a celebration pod where we do full context of his skill set, his game, how uh, how he fits into Florida State because he is a quarterback. Uh, what quarterback recruiting looks like after getting Nico Marchio, uh on the docket and, and pledge. So we'll do that over the weekend, assuming he does commit as we believe right now. Whew. All right. That's a lot of information there. We good. Anything else we want to add for the people here? No. Yeah, oh, shake, yeah. Shaking, yeah, shake, shaking your head on audio does I not help one. me. I got one. All right. Go ahead, 60% off right now on Knowles 24-7. <laughs> Go make the sign up. Make the switch. Find a new home for your FSU news. Under $4 for the entire month. It includes signing day. We got spring football coming up. Possibly visits this summer. It's a great time to try out Knowles 24-7. Yeah, on the visit saying that Josh just brought up, sounds like the NSA is going to decide that after April 15th, which is the current dead date that it runs through, that they're going to allow a quiet period, which means kids will be able to come to campuses, meet with coaches. Coaches will not be able to go out, evaluate, and visit with kids in person outside of the campus. But, hey, something's better than nothing. But that would basically kill the spring eval period that we're used to in a normal year. Um, Do I expect FSU to change their spring game date because of that? Probably not because they already put the date out. It would just surprise me. I don't expect that. That's not how they usually operate. FSU can also organize bringing kids in if they're not on the road evaluating. So it doesn't really change the dynamics that much. Uh, The only other thing I'll mention, baseball officially starts preseason practice as an entire team unit on Friday, which marks three weeks before the opener against UNF on February 19th. I'll be doing baseball coverage. We'll have plenty of it. Hoping to possibly get meat on the uh, on the bench here in the coming weeks. Don't put that pressure on me to get that. I said possibly. I, I have to speak to me and make sure he's good with it, but that's my hope. Coach Martin Jr. is usually pretty open to doing some stuff if it works into the schedule. And if we don't get him on here, I'll definitely do something Q&A-wise with him leading up to the season. I had someone slide in my DMs the other day asking for you to do a Q&A with either Stan Jones or, or Coach CY or, uh, yeah, doing well, a little – CY is busy. 
See, Wally's been sidelined for hell, like four games now, five games. He, I think there's a COVID related issue for him within the household, oh God. which has kept him away um, just to make sure keeping the team safe because it shuts teams down for two to three weeks, really, if it becomes an issue within the program. So he's been uh, not with the team. I don't believe he was with him last night. You know, truthfully, I did not look that closely to see if he was with him last night, but he had not been with him for a couple games preceding that. Um, from what I understand, he's doing fine. It's just a matter of allowing it to play out and not cause an issue among protocols. But uh, I, I'm always down if they have time, see why Stan, even Steve. I don't know Steve that well. Um, you know, he's fairly recent here on his staff here, but see why and Stan are awesome, as is Leonard. Any of the three would be an enjoyable podcast to sit down and talk. Chris, I don't know why you just don't take the time to do a basketball specific podcast. You see this, Josh, how much he just wants to talk about hoops. He just took, he just got two minutes in on, on a simple question about whether we're going to interview someone or not. I'm here I, I, anytime, anytime Chris wants to just flip the mic on, I'll record it. I'll edit it. I'll post it. He clearly wants to and deep down. It's his biggest desire burning desires to host a basketball specific podcast. And he just won't let himself be happy. Josh, it's March is a long month boys. <laughs> All right. Josh, can you trade? You good? You out of purgatory? I'm good. All I'm right. Well, let's, let's go get back to business. Go make money. Go throw all your money in AMC. Seems like a good idea. Yeah.